to worship him and praise him today. Yes. God, you are worthy of our praise. Amen. Amen. And amen. You can be seated now. Um, good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Man, if you don't know who I am, my name is Jill Rice, and I am the director of ministries here. And we get to kick off and move into our second week of our current series, which is What a Friend. Um, I personally have taken offense at Jonathan's opening today because Batman is my favorite superhero. Um, But I may have to check his friendship qualities. Um, Anyway. Last week, Jonathan and Braille kicked things off in our series discussing why friendship is so important. And we learned that without faith, it's impossible to please God, but without friends, it's impossible to follow God. Uh, This week, we are going to talk about what it means to be a bad friend, identify what it means to be a bad friend, and do some diagnostic checks on ourselves. Um, If you've ever been used car shopping, And you know that that is kind of a stressful situation uh, for most people. Some of you get really excited about it, and I think you're sick. Um, But uh, it it can be kind of a stressful situation. And if you're like me, you're always wondering, is this vehicle that I'm purchasing, is it going to give me headache after headache, or is it going to be the little engine that could and never give up on me? Um, Right before I went to college, my mom uh, bought a vehicle for me. She bought me an Isuzu Rodeo, white Isuzu Rodeo. It looked like that. Um, and she was doing her best to set me up for success. Uh, I had had a truck, and I had gotten a wreck with it and totaled it, and um, she wanted to make sure I had a vehicle when I went to college. And I thought it was a step up um, because I had moved from a truck where I could take one person with me to now I had a whole back seat. Like, I could take all of my friends with me. Um, come to find out, this car was a bit of a lemon. Um, a few months into it, I would turn it on and like all of the lights on the dashboard would come on and kind of start flashing at me and my gas gauge would start going like this. Like I, for like four years, I never knew how much gas was in my vehicle. Uh, <laughs> uh, a few, fro- a few different road trips, um, I had the head gaskets blow out two different times, um, the clutch burn out and like I've driven a standard almost my whole life. I've never burned out a clutch. Like it was just, You'd be going uphill, and you'd be doing good to get 50 miles an hour out of it. It was, it was a special kind of special. Um, <laughs> my mom was diligent uh, before she bought the, the vehicle. She had had several people look at it and got some really good advice, like, this is going to be a good vehicle for Jill. And it, it did its job. And then it, it, it stopped doing its job. <laughs> uh, but maybe you feel like you're shopping for a used car when it comes to friendship. Do you feel like you're always picking the bad one? Or you're just not sure what to look for or what to steer clear of? Uh, Maybe you've had some bad experiences with past friendship and you've just given up on the whole thing. Um, Or maybe you're living in shame convinced that you're the bad friend and that can't ever change. Man, that's a rough place to be. And and today we're going to continue to look at our friendship series, and what it means to be a bad friend. So maybe we should start with a definition. A bad friend is someone we are close to or who exercises influence in our lives but proves unreliable or deceptive or leads us astray. 
Um, I thought it was a pretty good definition, pretty encompassing of what a bad friend is. But today we're going to learn to be aware of friendships, bad friendships pitfalls and identify them in ourselves and others. So let's start with this question. Have you done your research? And I don't mean have you Googled somebody or Facebook stalked them. That's not the kind of research I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. When you are going used car shopping, it is a good idea before you go to do your research, right? You want to know what kind of vehicle you want to get. Um, you want to know the positives and the negatives of it, like how does it rate. You want to know about what should that vehicle cost. And most importantly, you should probably know whether you can afford it or not. When it comes to friendship, we need to do our research as well. We need to know the risk of being a bad friend and what's at stake if we take bad friends into our close circles. So when we look at scripture, we see a few things about a bad friend. A bad friend leads you astray in your worship with God. In Deuteronomy 13, um, God says this to his people. He says, suppose someone secretly entices you, even your brother, your son or daughter, your beloved wife, or your closest friend, and says, let us go worship other gods, gods that neither you nor your ancestors have known. That might suggest that your worship of gods, they may suggest that your worship of gods, of peoples who live nearby or have come from the ends of the earth. See, when God gave the Israelites their new homeland, their promised land, and he's moving them into this land, and he's establishing them as his his people, He gives them some really clear instructions about not marrying the people that already live in this land because he knew the risk. See, he didn't mean that God's people were supposed to completely isolate themselves from everyone else around them. It didn't mean that they were supposed to go into seclusion. It just meant that their closest relationships, God knew that they had to be with people that were committed to following God or the Israelites were going to stray off course. Unfortunately for the Israelites, they didn't listen to God. They ignored God's warnings and his commands over and over again throughout their history. And every time they did it, it led them to worshiping other gods. You say, but we don't have other gods. That couldn't apply to us. (laughs) Our closest friends need to be able to encourage us and do all they can to help our faith in God grow and to help us mature as God's children. Going astray in our worship of God looks like prioritizing anything or anyone before God. Maybe your family is a sports family. I was growing up. I played soccer. And I went to a lot of soccer tournaments. I played a lot of soccer games. And it's really easy to say, oh, well, it's just this one tournament. It's just this one practice. And you find yourself moving further and further away from God's community and closer to your sports community. It happens. I was guilty of it. Sometimes it's our jobs. We're providing for our families. This is a good thing. Until it becomes the one thing. Maybe it's our school. Maybe it's it's how we perform in school and how we do in school. Uh, Maybe it is this desire to just do what I want to do. Right? I want to be in control of my situation and make my choices. And when we surround ourselves with friends that encourage us in these activities, it becomes dangerous. They're encouraging us to prioritize and worship things that are not God. Are we or our friends leading one another towards a more 
intimate relationship with God? Or are we leading one another towards spending our time and our money and devotion and loyalty to something else? A good friend helps us stay on course. A bad friend leads us astray. The second risky thing that we need to know is that a bad friend will lead you astray in your character. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says this, Don't befriend angry people or associate it with hot-tempered people, or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Once you come off course in your worship of God, it becomes easier and easier to be led off course and astray in your character. See, the danger of a bad friend is how we live out our day-to-day lives. Man, when we have people around us that are not leading us towards God, not encouraging us in our relationship with him, our anger tends to increase. Our pride consumes us. Our empathy drops. We look for fights, whether it's with people that we know or we don't. We become greedy and trend to be more and more focused on what's best for me. See, our natural bend is toward the sinful. Between, it's a bend towards the selfish behavior in our lives. The old saying, show me your friends and I will show you your future, holds true. Those we are closest with are the people that we begin to reflect. So does this mean that you should ditch all your friends? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I don't know your friends. I don't know your friends. But I do know that we should probably start with looking at ourselves first. Right? I can't control the people around me. I can choose who I spend more time with. But I can absolutely control myself. I can work on me. A question that we should ask is how can we be the friend we would want to be? Like that we would want to have. The last thing that we see in scripture about a bad friend is they lead us astray in our friendship with God. James 4.4 says this, you adulterers, you don't realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God. I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. That's pretty risky behavior. Ultimately, bad friends set us up for a broken relationship with God. They encourage us to choose the pleasures of the world as a substitute for the things that only God can provide. He is the only one that gives us purpose and life and meaning. He is literally the giver of life. And a bad friend leads us down a path away from the source of all life and hope. But a good friend, man, they walk alongside us as a friend of God. See, I'm reminded uh, in the Old Testament, the story of the prophet Nathan and King David. See, King David had sinned. Um, he had taken uh, Bathsheba into his bedroom. And then because of that mistake and that sin, he decided to send Uriah to this front line in this battle to have him killed. David was being a bad friend. That was real bad. Nathan, he could have let David continue down that path, right? It was, he was the king. Like, there was risk in Nathan approaching him. Nathan could have co-signed on David's behavior. No one's going to know. But Nathan cared enough for David that he told him the truth in love. 
He held him accountable. Nathan was a good friend committed to walking with King David back into friendship with God. One of Jesus' last conversations with his disciples, his friends here on earth, he gives them this stirring message and this stirring speech explaining why they are not just his servants, but they are his friends. He tells them, I've spent my whole time with you, my whole ministry with you, pouring into you and sharing with you all that I know about God the Father. And I'm about to go die for you and for the world so that you cannot be a slave to your sin, but a friend with God the Father, just like Jesus. <laughs> That's some good news. The stakes are high when we choose to be a bad friend or surround ourselves with bad friends. We wander from God and our character suffers. And so as we know the risk of being a bad friend, let's identify some qualities of a bad friend in ourselves or someone else so we can learn to steer clear from them or work on them. So the first question is this, have you looked under the hood yet? When you get to that car lot and you find that car that you want, and you think it's just right for me and you got that like clear, like the sparkle in your eye and you're so excited about it, you might be tempted to just say, okay, I'm going to jump to it and I'm going to purchase it. It's this car. But I would advise you, and good advice says, hey, you should take that car to a mechanic and let them check it out. Let them look under the hood. See if it's all right. And I want to know when I leave the car lot with this car if I can depend on it or if every warning light on the dashboard is going to come on in a couple of months. I've been there already. When we think about ourselves as friends, what is under the hood? What are the warning signs to look for in ourselves and in others that make us a bad friend? Paul's missionary journeys in the New Testament. We get to see lots of examples of Paul and his friends living out their calling that they've been given by God. And one of those friendships includes a conflict with a guy named John Mark. See, John Mark and Barnabas and Paul, they went on this first missionary journey together and they set out, and things are going all right, and partway through, John Mark abandons them. He leaves the, the mission, and he goes back home. And then later in Acts 15, we get this message that Barnabas and Paul are ready to set out on their second missionary journey. But Barnabas wants to take John Mark. Paul is not having it. He says, no. Man, this guy abandoned me on the first trip. I am not taking him again. And it gets so serious that Barnabas and Paul actually split ways. Barnabas goes on his own trip, and he takes John Mark with him. And Paul goes his own and takes Silas with him. And um, we see that this, they divulge on their, their journey together. And when we look closely at this friendship, we see a few things that make John Mark a bad friend. The first one is a bad friend is uncommitted. See, John Mark had started the first journey with Paul and Barnabas. He was on a good pathway, but he let them down because he abandoned them and their mission that they were given by God. He didn't stick around when things got hard. We have to ask ourselves, where do we land when things get hard in our lives and our friends' lives? See, if it's your life, do you bail on commitments because you have something hard going on? Or is there even something better going on in your life? 
See, when things get hard, are you committed to walk through it with your friends? Or are you going to isolate and say, man, I'm going to do this. <laughs> I'm going to try this mic over here. We have to ask ourselves, when things are hard, are we going to walk it out with our friends or are we going to abandon them? Do you bail when things become inconvenient? The second thing that we learn is a bad friend is untrustworthy. Because John Mark bailed on his first trip, Paul doesn't trust him to join the second trip. Are you the kind of person whose friends can depend on your word? If you say you're going to do something by a certain time, do you follow through? See, this is an area that I, I struggle in sometimes. And it's not because I don't care about my friends. It's not because I don't want to be a good friend. It's because I overcommit myself. I think, man, I, I got more than 24 hours in this day. Surely I can fit it all in. And for some reason, every time at the end of the day, I only had 24 hours. And it leaves my friends feeling like I don't care about them because I didn't get to follow through on my word. I didn't get done what I said I would get done by when I said I was going to do it. And it makes me feel untrustworthy to them. We receive fewer invites of the fun things because our friends aren't sure they can depend on us for the hard stuff. The last thing that we learn in this scripture is a bad friend doesn't support you. Later in Paul's ministry, he's sitting in jail and he writes a letter to his friend Timothy asking for support. He lets Timothy know that he has no one with him to support him. He had to go through his trial all on his own, and he's feeling down. Even Paul struggled to have his closest friends to him and around him when he needed them most. But he didn't continue to isolate. He called them in. And I love this story because it shows God doesn't write us off as a bad lemon. Listen to what Paul asked Timothy to do, who he asked to send to him. He says, only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come, for he will be helpful to me in my ministry. This is the same Mark that had abandoned them on their first journey that Paul refused to take with him on his second missionary journey. We don't get the details of Mark's transformation, but we know that in Paul's darkest moments, the person that he asked for is Mark. Mark has moved from someone that was uncommitted to ministry that Paul couldn't trust to being someone that he can depend on for the support he needs. We've all been bad friends at times. I need you to go ahead and raise your hand and say, I've been a bad friend. <laughs> I have been a bad friend. Right? We've all been there. Perhaps you've been the friend that bailed in a crucial moment. Maybe you're like me and you haven't been as dependable for the support that your friends need. That doesn't have to be where you land. It's not the end of your story. See, even Jesus' disciples, his best friends, failed him. They lacked commitment. They lied. They abandoned him. They were untrustworthy. They left Jesus to die on the cross by himself. Some of Jesus' last words that he, when he shows his deepest anguish, he says, I've been abandoned. 
His friends weren't there. He was by himself. God had to remove himself from Jesus' presence as Jesus took on the sin of the world, took on our sin. But that wasn't the end of the story. When Jesus comes back to life, after he's been resurrected, he could have written his friends off. He could have said, y'all abandon me, I'm done with you. But he doesn't. He goes and he finds them. He meets them where they're hiding in their shame. And he affirms them. He affirms that they are called by God and they are a friend of God. The key was Jesus came for them, he affirmed them, and the disciples repented. And they returned to Jesus. They didn't try to ignore it. They didn't try to cover it up or defend it. It's the attitude that we have to take when we come to Jesus as well. He can and he will take our brokenness, the relationships that we've messed up, and he will forgive us of them. He will give us a new standing. He will call us friend of God. If you've never made this decision before, I wanna invite you in a moment to pray with me to step over the line of faith. It's just simply saying, God, I recognize that I've messed up in my life. I have been the bad friend. I have sinned. And there's not a thing that I'm gonna do to be able to fix our relationship. I'm not gonna do enough good things. I'm not gonna spend enough time on it. God, I need your forgiveness and I need the grace of your son, Jesus. And get this friend, when you do that, he responds. He restores you. He restores your friendship. We get to become friends of God. So as we pray, there's no special order of words, um, no special words themselves. It's just a reflection of our heart with God. If it's your first time praying this prayer, man, we want to invite you to let us know. You can text connect to 785-432-4544. You can drop by the connections table at the back after service and let us know. If you're watching online, you can let our hosts know in the chats. We want to walk alongside you as you take your next steps in faith with God, as you take your next steps to being a friend of God. Pray with me. Father, we come to you right now and we confess we have lived lives that are broken. We've lived lives that, um, where we have been the bad friend, where we have sinned and we're never gonna get it right not on our own, God. And we just, we ask for your forgiveness and we are so grateful for your generous mercy in our lives. We're so thankful for your son, Jesus, that you were willing to give everything through him so that you could restore our relationship with you. God, we're overwhelmed with joy about being called a friend of God. Father, we love you, and in your name I pray, amen.